Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation. I'm the traffic anchor and transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you want to drop me a line, the email, drivingyoucrazypodcast at gmail.com. Or you could always leave a voicemail message at 303-832-0217. If that was too fast, and it sure was, you can always get the number and the email on the description of the show. And that's the same place I think you could rate, review, and repeat, which is always helpful here to me on this little program. Uh, coming up today, I'm scheduled to talk with David Ramsey. Not not the financial guru, Dave Ramsey. Uh, Dave Ramsey is the columnist with the Colorado Springs... The Dave Ramsey, who is the columnist with the Colorado Springs Gazette, who wrote an article recently titled COVID-19, A Roadblock to the Great American Road Trip. Right here on the show... We've talked a lot about road trips, and coming up this weekend is Labor Day, so it really means it's the last unofficial weekend of the summer and the end of road trips as most of the schools around the country are really back in session after Labor Day. Even though my kids have been in school for the last couple of weeks, a lot of schools around the country have already been in school, but it's it's really the last official weekend of summer. And, you know, the pools are closing down. Our, our neighborhood pool is closing down. So and it's also the last hurrah, if you will, for road trips where they usually start coming to an end now for most families, unless you are uh, living on the road or you're retired or you're a trucker, whatever, you're still on the road. But for most families, you're not going to see a whole lot of road trips after uh, Labor Day. It's usually a summertime affair, but I, I've seen a lot of road trips here this summer. So it's a little different than what Dave is saying in his article. So we'll get his take on why he thinks COVID-19 is the roadblock to the road trip, and it should be an interesting conversation as we uh, get into that with uh, with Dave coming up in just a little bit. I, I, I'm sure you've heard this joke slash question a million times. Why did the chicken cross the road? Apparently to screw over a guy in South Africa who crashed his Ford Focus into a house trying to avoid hitting a chicken that was in the road. Yay! (laughs) He first said that he was trying to avoid a child as he was driving down the road and then changed his story and said it was a dog or more likely a chicken. No one, including the chicken, was injured in the crash. No one was in the house. And the only person, uh, passenger in the car, had some moderate injuries. Was checked out by the paramedics. But thankfully, the chicken is, I think, going to be just just fine. Uh, The decades-old dream of zipping around the sky as simply as driving on a highway, it may be coming more of a reality. Did you see the video of Japan's SkyDrive? They have now carried out a successful, I I guess it's modest, test flight that had one person on board. I also saw a video recently of a guy in a bathtub who made his own drone bathtub and was flying around with, with that. But it wasn't sanctioned as a real flying car that you will be able to purchase someday. Nobody really wants to fly around in a drone bathtub. Well, this video from SkyDrive was shown to reporters, 
And this contraption, it looks like a, I guess kind of a motorcycle with the drone style propellers around the corners. And it did fly several feet off the ground, hovered in this netted area just for protection. And they, and they did this for about four minutes. And SkyDrive is one of a hundred or so companies that are working on trying to get a flying car going. There's a lot of them. A lot of people think this is going to be the future of driving, is going to be driving a little flying car. One of the advantages of this that I don't think people get is, is is you can have lanes of, let's say, flying lanes, like you would lanes of traffic. But because we're on the ground, there's only one plane. We live in three dimensions, right? And an airplane can fly in the sky. And then there's an airplane that can fly a little bit below it. And another airplane that can fly a little bit above it. It happens routinely at little different altitudes. So imagine if you take the capacity of one of the interstates and you put it at 10 different altitude levels. You could move a lot of people around a lot easier than we do right now and get people moving all over the place. So this SkyDrive hopes to be in real-life production and actually come to you where you could buy it in three years. Seems a little ambitious to me. I mean, the machine right now can only hover for, uh, for under 10 minutes. If that becomes 30 minutes, if that becomes 45 minutes, an hour, then, then we have some potential there. Unlike airplanes and helicopters, they, they call these things electric vehicle takeoff and landing vehicles. They offer these quick point-to-point personal travel. So you could go from your home, from your office, from a little uh, neighborhood landing strip, if you will, and do these vertical takeoffs, and you don't have to travel to a major airport. You can do these flights regionally. And you won't have traffic jams. You won't have to hire pilots because you you are flying it. You are the pilot. They could eventually fly autonomously. So you wouldn't even need a pilot. Now, the battery size and uh, is a big issue. The weight of the battery, the, the how, how long it can be charged is a, is a major issue. Even though I did read uh, on, a, on a tangent here. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent now. I was reading I, I, over the weekend about this. A uh, battery that uh, some place is working on, where they are taking pieces of spent fuel rod from nuclear reactors, the spent fuel rod, uh, and turning that nuclear power into a battery that basically never needs to be charged. It would last for thousands of years at the same capacity. That's the kind of technology that then changes everything and it, it could power everything. For it could Imagine if you could make it light enough where it could power an airplane or power these things, these little things. So you, you don't have 30 minutes of charge. You have 300 minutes of charge or, or 3 million hours of charge where it never has to be charged. You just fly it around. Well, you're also going to need with these uh, with, with these new vehicles, you're going to need air traffic control of some sort because you are flying off the ground. Uh, you're going to need other infrastructure issues. 
before really commercializing them and and buying these things and and pardon the pun uh, getting it off the ground. And if if they cost too much money, if they cost ten million dollars, nobody's going to buy them. And if they only fly for a few minutes, nobody's going to buy them. If if they fall out of the sky every so often, no one's going to buy them. They have to be safe. They have to be relatively inexpensive, and they have to be easily uh, maneuverable. And boom, I think, and then therefore there we're going. I think that's uh, I, I think that is going to be the future of transportation. Well, maybe in the next 20 years, 25, 30 years. I mean, everybody's working on the autonomous car. We talked about that, how we think it's going to be tens of years before it's around. We were talking a couple episodes ago how it might not be around for 100 years. Well, the flying car might be here sooner than that. I, I think that would be, that might be the way to go. It's just scrap the whole autonomous thing and let's go with uh, the flying car. That, that that's my goal. <laughs> I'd rather see the flying car first than an autonomous car here on the ground. Well, this is something that I've talked about in the past here on the show, not just about flying cars and autonomous cars, but with a few guests recently, I've talked about the road trip. I took a short road trip in Colorado earlier this summer with my family, and from what I saw, the road trip is alive and well. However, I was recently reading an article in the Colorado Springs Gazette by David Ramsey, and it's titled COVID-19, A Roadblock to the Great American Road Trip. Since Dave and I see the road trip through different Ray-Bans, I wanted to invite him on the show to talk about it. Dave, thanks for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. No, it's great to be with you. Before we get into this article, I have to say that you and I are now cousins-in-law or some sort of uh, thing, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how it all works out in this new family tree, but we're, we're all part of the same family now. So, Yeah, and God bless us both, you know, in that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, and, I don't, and God I'm, help us both. Yeah, well, no, you know, all seriousness aside, we're, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be uh, part, of the, part of the family, so... So you start off your piece using a short paragraph from John Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie. And then you say, a long road trip is a blessing of American summer, and the blessing is multiplied when surrounded by the wonders of the West. Now, before we talk about why you think COVID killed the road trip, tell me about your history and experiences with road trips. Well, when I moved back to Colorado, in 2003, I, you know, I've been gone for 25 years. I grew up in Denver. I promised myself I'm going to see the West. And, you know, oftentimes we break promises to ourselves, but, but I, you know, I've done it right. I, I've been to every national park in the West, except for the, uh, for Lassen in California and petrified forest in Arizona. Um, so that's been a big part of my life since I moved back. And I especially have enjoyed the drives to those national parks. You know, like I, I went to Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota, I think three years ago. And of course it was, you know, spectacular and, and wonderful. But the drive there was probably the highlight, you know, driving through uh, the remote sections of South Dakota and North Dakota and Nebraska, um, you know, great roads, super courteous drivers, which we don't always have on the front range. 
And you know, so that became a part of my of my summers and falls is taking these long road trips. As a kid, did you go on road trips? Did your parents install this in you when you were a youngster? Well, I, 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 yes, they did, but I think they mainly installed a fear of long road trips with a big group, right? Because I grew up, I grew up in a family of seven, you know, five kids, and uh, you know those those road trips weren't terrors, you know, because we I grew up uh, in Seattle and Denver, and so we would drive to Texas to see to see the in laws, and the crowded car road trip. Has never been my biggest favorite, right? And oh, yeah. I did it. I did it a fair amount with my own kids. Um, so no, the, what I what I learned from them is uh, the fewer people in the car, the better. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, how, I mean, how it, did you fit seven people in a car? I remember having uh, three brothers and having the six of us in a station wagon was bad enough. I can't imagine cramming yeah. two more people in there. Well, and I, I'm a huge believer in seatbelts. Right. Oh yeah, we weren't. We we but, we could yeah, have done but, a rollover and everybody's flying out different. Yeah, ways. yeah. But I I've become a huge believer in seatbelts. But at the time, it was a different era. Oh yeah. And yeah, they're not not too much seatbelt wearing. Um, but but no, it's you know it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing to to be driving around the West and looking out at those beautiful open spaces. Yeah, because reading right? I mean, through I, your I, article in the Gazette, it, 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 you, like me, seem to really take great peace and special enjoyment in, in the most lonely of stretches of roadway. Yeah, and you don't have that. You know, I, I lived out east. I lived in New York for <clears throat> 18 years, and I had a great time out there. But that, that experience of wide open spaces and sparsely populated roads, you just don't have out there. So that's, that's a, that's a tremendous blessing of the West, uh, better scenery, fewer drivers. Um, that's a great equation for, for a road trip. I'm speaking with Dave Ramsey, columnist with the Colorado Springs Gazette about his article called COVID-19, a roadblock to the great American road trip. Since the beginning of March, you say in your piece that you have only traveled a 70 mile long, 30 mile wide rectangle. And you say in the article that this summer will not for most of us, be remembered for what we did. We will remember what we hoped to do, but did not do. So why haven't you really braved it and gone out there? I, you know, I, that's easy, you know, fear, right? And I, <laughs> I think uh, you can have inflated fear and you can have wise fear. Um, but one thing I need to tell you is that I, I took <laughs> a road trip not long after that column ran, right? Okay. So the column I, I've I've discovered was more of a question mark than a declaration, right? Because I was I was nervous about taking the trip. And so, you know, it was kind of like a question mark, maybe just to myself. Should I go? So, you know, Teresa and I then went to an extremely remote uh, section of, of Utah, uh, near the Wyoming border, uh, in the Flaming Gorge area, uh, had to drive like, you know, 20 miles on dirt roads to get to a, uh, extremely, uh, basic cabin that was built in the 1930s. And, uh, you know, so I, so I did 
the very thing that I had questioned. I took a I took a long road trip, so I just I need to let you know that, right? And so you know, a good friend I've known for for decades, and you know, we all have these kind of stories in this in this COVID time. Um, he lost thirty pounds in a week, I believe, because um, he got sick. And he's not even sure if he had COVID. He might have just had like, like influenza A or, or B. And he's his doctor is almost sure he picked it up at a rest at a rest stop um, at a truck stop in Oklahoma when he was driving from Texas to Missouri. Well, that story really got my attention, right? Yeah. Um. So you know, just this fear, um, and you know, a respect for the for the virus. You know, I think I think you can have. We're all struggling with developing a healthy wise respect for the virus right what does that mean does that mean you don't take a long road trip well i i decided after a little pushing <laughs> that, <laughs> right. that uh my answer was no right yeah and uh you know we when when Teresa and i were in utah uh basically nobody was wearing a mask i mean you might see a mask here and there, but um, they don't even have signs up on the grocery store we went to in a small town in Utah. They didn't have a sign up suggesting you wear a mask, right? But we wore masks when we uh, we we went Colorado style, uh, front range style, wore masks, um, careful, uh, uh, you know, and, and most of the stuff we did, we went to Dinosaur National Monument. We went to uh, Colorado National Monument. We had a fantastic time. Um, we weren't around that many people, right? It was a it was a, a trip of solitude most of the time. So, you know, the 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 option to do the city attractions really isn't there anymore. It isn't there nearly as much as it used to be. So the the trip to get away from it all to get out to a remote spot. I mean, that makes that that makes sense, right? And um, I'm probably going to do. Another trip, Teresa and I, and I will probably do another trip uh, here in a month or two to New Mexico because I've, I've never been, actually, I just thought of another national park I've been to. I've never been to White Sands, which uh, was just recently became a national park. Well, and you just mentioned uh, New Mexico, it, completely different than what they're doing uh, in Utah or here, where if you're going to stay there in a hotel, you better be prepared to stay there for two weeks because they are mandatory making people stay quarantined if you stay in a hotel for two weeks yeah and that's and that and that that may <laughs> we'll see if that eases up right but uh it I, I think we'll agree it's just such a it's a hard time to get comfortable right right because you know all of us are you know is always responsible for ourselves and our own health but in this time with this virus, you know, I, I'm also mindful, and we all are, of others, especially people, those, who are, those who are older than me. So I want to be responsible for myself and for them. And that's a, that's a, it's a tough time. It's a tough time to get comfortable. It's, it's a tough time to, to, take, to truly take a deep breath. I'm speaking with Dave Ramsey, columnist with the Colorado Springs Gazette. We're talking about his article called COVID-19, A Roadblock to the Great American Road Trip. You said you did take that little trip, but you also said in your article that you had planned to drive all the way to Los Angeles with Teresa 
and navigate those exciting and infuriating lanes of freeway and then stroll along Venice Beach. She just took that trip with her daughter and granddaughter. Did you feel left out or cheated that they went on that road trip and you are still living in the Springs right now? (laughs) You know, I need to be careful with this answer. (laughs) But um, no, no, because... You know, I, I had work I needed to do and, and so on, right? And it was it was good time for the, the girls to have a you know a, a a getaway a getaway to Los Angeles. Uh and you know, there's a there's a good chance we can we'll be able to do that later. Yeah, you'll um, be able to get out there one time and enjoy all their crazy traffic and, and Venice yeah. Beach is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and I'm a big, you know, I'm I'm just right at this moment, I'm envisioning this this tremendous screened-in diner on Venice Beach. It's one of my favorite spots in America, and it's only a few blocks from you know uh, where we'd be staying. And just sitting there and watching the the uh, lovably strange people go by, uh, it's it's a great great experience. And so uh, I'll be out, I'll be out there pretty soon. Um, you know I I I like that flight. <laughs> from Denver to Los Angeles. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful flight. So who knows? I may I may take the drive or I may take that flight. I was just talking to AAA in the last episode of the show, and Skylar McKinley told me that this has been the summer, according to AAA, of the road trip. Mm-hmm. And they actually predict that car travel is going to be higher than ever the rest of this year and most likely into next year. So are you willing to just say be damned with it i'm going to take my mask i'm going to take my uh sanitizer and i'm just going to go out and and live the way i wanted to live in 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 the past i just take a few more precautions well that's that's an interesting question again one we're all going to be looking at right um you know you just you mentioned the complication of my thoughts about going to new mexico Right? right, and it's it'll be interesting how much or less complicated travel becomes, uh, and that's that's one thing about COVID is the future's hazy, right? I mean, normally, you know, you know, a year ago, you could you could make a plan, you can make a travel plan, right, and and follow through on it, no problem. Um, now. You know, if you were to, you know, if, with travel, you don't want to get stuck, right? I don't want to get stuck. I, I need to come, I need to come back to Colorado and work. You can't be quarantined um, for 14 days yeah. in New Mexico. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling, but, uh, it's, I think it's a profitable struggle just like the rest of us to come up with a plan that, that I feel comfortable with, that I think is, that I think is reasonable and considerate you know, of, of my health and my, and the people I love their health also. Um, but you know, your point is well taken about how many people are traveling. Yesterday I went out to a, you know, this fantastic, you know, city park in the Colorado Springs, North Cheyenne Canyon. Um, I mean, I would argue the Springs has the two best city parks in America, Garden of the Gods and North Cheyenne Canyon. And I was out there for this, you know, this breathtaking bike ride. And then when I came back, I, I got there really early. You know, there was almost nobody there. When I came back, like, <laughs> I, it was even more than usual, even more than the usual summer. 
there was, I probably saw 20 states on my drive out. Um, I mean, multiple, multiple Texas and Oklahoma plates, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Arizona, Utah. I mean, on and on. New York. So there are a lot of people who drove to Colorado currently among us, um, which, you know, is, <laughs> which is mostly good, but not all good. And, and one other interesting piece of news I received recently is the gas tax receipts this year are actually above where they were at this same time oh, last wow. year. So I think that wow. is not just the people traveling, but also the truck and delivery traffic that's now becoming our new economy. Yeah, no, that well, that's tremendous reporting. Uh, I, I, lo I, I love to hear that, but I did not know that. That also leads me to your other recent article titled The Boundless Joy Found in Chasing Cheap Gas in Colorado. Because <laughs> you say that in that piece, this line, cheap gas can, for some of us, chase the blues away. How cheap gas does the gas, how cheap does the gas have to be for you to celebrate cheap gas? Well, you know, in the column I wrote about, uh, you know, I often drive to Denver, my family in Denver, friends in Denver. I love Denver. Uh, so the headquarters of the gas wars in, in Colorado Springs is Baptist Road on the very, very edge of, of North Colorado Springs. And there are two stations there that have been in a long time war right by each other. Right. And one thing I want to say is both of them are sell name brand gas. It was like, I heard, I heard some backlash from people it was like you know, you, you got to be careful what station you go to well these are both name brand gas so you know i'll be i'll be driving along and not in a really good mood and look up and see a ridiculously cheap gas there like 30 cents cheaper than any place in the springs like recently like basically the cheapest gas you get in the springs was 239 and on my way to denver i'm not going out of my way at all I look up and you know glowing in the distance is a sign that says 209 right well you know if you knew my father you would know that you know even if i had tried as hard as i could i would not going to be able to resist his you know uh extreme love of, of cheap gas so it always makes you feel a little better to go in there and you know get this get this gas it's might be at the moment the cheapest gas in Colorado. Yeah, you. I get a kick you, out of that. You come from a long line of family members who covet cheap fuel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and it, you know, my father, my father was an uh, an aerospace engineer, right? He was a, and it 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 you know it wasn't like he was saving money on on gas, you know, so he could feed us, <laughs> but but he was the word obsessed can be overused, but Dad was obsessed with cheap gas and I will not go out of my way significantly to get cheap gas. Dad would go out of his way massively to get cheap gas. He was, he was a little, uh, he was a little goofy in that area. I mean, you're smart enough to know that a few cents really doesn't make that much of a difference, but really the, the price has to be, like you said, maybe 30 cents, 40, 50 cents lower than anywhere else. And, and you have to be buying at least 10 or 15 or 20 gallons really to, be justifying you driving to find that lowest price well and for me it's just fun right because i i have a my baby sister lives in inglewood one of the nicest people on the face of the earth right 
but we have our own little gas war going on, right? Because she'll, you know, I mean, she, I'd like to say I was happy for her when she got 99 cent gas and Parker during the height of the COVID crisis. But it made me, you know, it made me pretty bitterly envious, right? I mean, I, I was never able to top that. So we always send, you know, photo text to each other when we have this cheap gas. And uh, it's just fun. I think it's one of those, uh, I think people who don't, who aren't in the cheap gas, think that those of us who are in the cheap gas take it seriously. Because it's and, really about and, the hunt and not necessarily how good yeah. the meat tastes at the cookout. Yeah, it's like, it's, no, it's, just, like a, it's just like a fun, dumb little hobby. Uh, and you know, the world, you know, America is divided into several camps, but that's one of the camps, you know, cause some people like, if, you know, they'll, they'll drive by two, you know, two forty five gas and pay two six, you know, to pay two fifty eight three minutes later, not even think about it. Right. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that would, it's not like I would drive past two fifty eight gas and run out of gas. I wouldn't. But I would feel a pang in my heart realizing that I had could have bought gas for two dollars and forty five cents a gallon and paid two fifty eight. But that's just it's just the camp I'm in. Some people aren't in that camp. Well, th- then don't go fill up near an airport. I remember at a trip I was in Orlando. There is a gas station just north of the airport. And I'm telling you, the gas prices were probably two dollars more expensive than anywhere else, even a couple of blocks over east or west of that that road it was it was really ridiculous even here at dia they have some of the highest gas prices in the city no and i i used to travel uh frequently for my job because i was a sports writer and i've seen some yes some monster gas prices near airports because they know well because they know what's going to happen if you do the rental car fill up right yep that's what it is um it's like because I I think I don't know it seems like I've seen rental car gas be as high as like seven dollars when gas was expensive. That is the worst deal going. Where they ask you if you want to prepay for gas. That they they always make out like a bandit during those during uh in that deal. Well, and I I I have never done that. I always return full, right? But the they they those companies realize that when folks are on business. Oh yeah, they're not quite as thrifty with their money. Exactly. So, but you know, I, I'm never, I was never that guy. I was always the guy who filled it up myself. But not everyone is so is so uh, diligent in that way. The worst thing for me right now, going to a gas station, is grabbing the handle and not having my sanitizer right there with me uh, because yeah. as soon I, I sanitize before, during, and after the fuel up because. Like you said earlier about your friend who you think might have gotten the flu or even COVID at a gas station in Oklahoma, that 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 concerns me more than anything else. No, that's a good point, and I'm glad you said that because I had not thought about that. <laughs> so I need to uh, I need to travel. With some I mean, it's a full and it's a full hand. I mean, you're coming out of your yeah. car. You're doing. You might have been yeah. caught. Whatever. It's it's probably one of those spots where it is is fully non-sanitized before somebody grabs it and then people are using it over and over again and never being sanitized well and i always do the two handles too because i like virtually every single time i fill up gas i also do my windshield yeah oh sure so that's so that's two handles and two full holds so (laughs) no i'm glad i had not thought about that and now i have and i'm going to get some sanitizer now i'm making you paranoid 
No, no, you know, the thing, one of the things is, uh, we can, again, I'm, I'm optimistic, um, about travel and all kinds of things, right? We're, we're going to get through this. And one of the ways we're going to get through this is I just, you, you just, you just taught me something that I hadn't thought about, about, you know, way about a reasonable, easy way to protect myself. Right. So that's, I think that we're all, we're all learning together. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a crazy, you know, scary time, but, um, we're, you know, we're getting better at it. I mean, I had front page of our paper today that, uh, the COVID cases are down here in the County. Um, that's, you know, that's spectacular news. It's great news. Um, and that shows that, that shows that people are being sensible and, and and reasonable and fewer I mean, people you, are dying when they do contract it because doctors are figuring it out and figuring out what treatments are most effective for most people yeah no well said well said and so yeah and i'll, I'll be you know now i'll be less of a threat because all of all of sanitize my hands <laughs> after after i go after i go buy cheap gas see perfect <laughs> <laughs> what's your next driving article or are you planning on uh, any other uh, driving slash uh, auto gas articles well my column my column for tomorrow is on uh, our visit to Colorado National Monument which you know was a drive yep. and uh, you know I don't know have you been to Colorado National I Monument I have never been to that part of the state uh, it's it's it is so... well no that's the monument is over in Grand Junction right yeah, I was yeah. thinking about the one, the dinosaur one. No, I have been there. Well, um, and actually, I have a tragic situation that happened uh, to one of my family members there. So, no, I've been to the monument. It is beautiful. Oh, well, I'm sorry about I'm sorry about the, that situation for your family. Um, but that you know that, and we'll have to talk about that later. Uh, but the thing about that monument is not going to remain a monument. It's going to become a national park. So it's it's a good time to go. Because once it becomes a national park, it'll that same thing will happen to it that happened to Black Canyon. Attendance will double, right? Because monuments are seen as second tier, national parks are seen as top tier, and Colorado National Monument is a top tier destination. So that's what I'm. Um, and and I would and, and this is a driving show. Uh, I would argue it's the most friendly to cars and you know and, and being seen by cars from a car of any of the parks in the national park system any of the destinations it's not a it's not a park but uh colorado national monument is is a great great drive and uh it won't be so great once they have two times as many people on those two lane roads. So right. That's 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 the next column. It'll still be better than uh, having to travel with people that are up at Yellowstone or even Rocky Mountain National Park, and they're trying to take selfies with buffalo. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, and I yes, I've heard some. Uh, I this 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 week I heard some fun stories about uh, people people not being respectful of buffalo, and those. Those folks need to watch video sometime of Buffalo in full sprint because those, yeah, Buffalo can move. Oh, yeah, you're um, not kidding. Yeah, so that, yeah, I, I, Rocky Mountain National, I haven't been to in a decade. I love it, but it's, 
it's just so crowded, yep. you know, it's so fantastic and so crowded. So I've, I've, I've spent most of my time in other great spots in the state. My guest is Dave Ramsey. is a columnist with the Colorado Springs Gazette. We're talking about a couple of his articles, COVID-19, a roadblock to the great American road trip, and another article called The Boundless Joy Found in Chasing Cheap Gas in Colorado. Just wait till uh, after Labor Day, the East Coasters are going back to school, and uh, we should hopefully see a lot of those out-of-state plates return from whence they came. <laughs> That's, well, you know, and, and you know this. I mean, there's, there's a big upside to those visitors right oh sure uh yeah i had i had an encounter yesterday with a group from florida i was you know i'm in the i'm on my bike uh in a you know remote section you know i had i've had to ride my bike eight miles straight up eight straight uphill uh right straight up a trail uh this pretty remote trail uh above the city I was probably about 9,000 feet and I'm standing on this big rock by myself and loving it. And, uh, this group from Florida had been dropped off at the top of the trail, right? They, they had, they didn't have to do the eight mile, eight mile ride to the top of this dirt trail. They just got dropped off by a tourist group. And, uh, I wasn't super happy to have these eight people join me on this fairly small rock. <laughs> uh, and they didn't, I don't know. They didn't, they didn't they didn't seem to i didn't say anything but uh i thought yeah this tourism is i'm sure these guys spent a lot of money here in colorado springs but i wish they'd get off my rock <laughs> and being from florida you would think that they might get a little loopy up at nine thousand feet yeah well they they um yeah they all had the same bike they all had the same water bottle they all had the same helmets so they you know they had they it was a tourist thing and they all had not had to work to get there like i had so i was uh I was a little resentful of our of our friendly tourists, but it, it it all worked out. Well, I hope you get back out there on the road again soon, and uh, and enjoy your time once again on those roads less traveled. Hey, no, this had a, this is a great conversation, and I appreciate you reaching out. Again, if you want to read Dave's articles, you can. It's on the the link for uh, his articles, all of them that he's published. Uh, it's on the. Uh, description of this podcast so you just go to the description and the link is right there and you can read all of them from the colorado springs gazette i I used to like hunting for cheap gas but i mostly now just go to sam's for gas because i know it's going to be usually one of the cheapest around and uh, unless i'm saving 50 cents a gallon like i said uh, i'm or if i'm using my grocery store fuel points then i'm not gonna go shop all around to go try to find gas and and my my little car if i fill it up with seven gallons that's a lot it it only needs about that much and i can go about 350 miles that's another beauty of the chevy volt because it the the generator doesn't use that much fuel to generate electricity to make it go unlike a regular car like my wife's car it doesn't have a full combustion engine that has to push this thing all over the place so it uh, it takes less gas. Anyhow, uh, the link to those stories uh, there and all of Dave's stories are there on the description of the show. All right, this is one of the stories I wanted to get to last week, but we ran out of time. When I go through the TSA and when I have some money in my pocket, I never carry cash in my wallet. Do you carry cash in your wallet? I never carry it in my wallet. That's just a me thing. I I, I just keep it in my left pocket. So if you're if you're trying to steal cash from me, you have to go to my left pocket to find the cash. 
it won't be any in my wallet if you try to pickpocket me. So I, I take whenever I go through the TSA, if I do have any cash, I, I always put it in my backpack going through the TSA so that way your, your pockets are empty. I, I don't really put it in my shoe or anything. I've seen people do that. Uh, and and not, not in the bin. I never put it in that bin. Uh, just just sitting there loosely because people forget it. And I don't want to forget my money. I get this. The Transportation Security Administration, they collected $926,000 in unclaimed money that passengers left behind at airport security checkpoints just during 2019. That's a lot of money. Almost a million dollars. The money mostly consisted of loose change, also some paper currency, of course, that passengers took out from their pockets and then they left behind in the bin or wherever uh, at the security screening checkpoint. Now, the amount found during 2019 was about $34,000 less than the amount that was found in 2018. The top five airports where passengers left the most money were John F. Kennedy Airport, $98,110, San Francisco, $52,500, Miami, $47,500, McCarran Airport in Las Vegas, $44,000. You would think that those TSI guys would just take that money and put it right back into the slot machine. Could have ended up being a lot more. And Dallas at number five at $40,000 left at the TSA. They say it's always their goal to reunite reunite travelers with the items, the things, and the money that people have left behind at the checkpoints, but it doesn't happen as often as you'd like, and it's really hard to find the person who left a wad of cash or coins at the TSA because you're already gone, and you say, hey, did you leave any money back here? Oh, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll (laughs) take it. If a passenger does leave an item behind, let's say your wallet, let's say you don't realize it until after you board your flight, you can contact the TSA's lost and found office at any airport across the country, and then you identify your lost item and they'll hand it back to you. Now, it didn't say if if you left your wallet there in the bin and the TSA finds it, that they're taking the cash out and then just handing you the wallet back. They didn't say that. So naturally, the next question that you want to know is what happens to all this money un- that, that, is, that goes unclaimed? It's all deposited into a special bank account that the TSA has so that the collection and spending of that money can be tracked. So there's a, there's a code. There's, a, there's actually a law, Section 44945 of Title 49, United States Code. It grants the TSA statutory budget authority to spend this unclaimed money. So on September 30th, the 2019, that's the end of their fiscal year, the TSA had a total of $3,618,696 in this account from unclaimed money collected in 2019 and the prior years. $3.5 million. Of this money, the TSA has obligated $2.1 million spent on training and development. They've only spent a million dollars of it so far. 
so they still have $1.1 million for training and development. From this fund of unclaimed money that's not really theirs. The TSA also spent $32,000 from prior year obligations on printing and distributing bookmarks at checkpoints nationwide to publicize the TSA pre-check program. So there you go. Your unclaimed money, to the tune of $32,000, is going to marketing for the TSA. At the end of fiscal year 2019, so basically the beginning of October of 2019, the TSA had a million and a half dollars still of unobligated resources available to you. So there you go. The money that you left behind is being put to work. Not for your benefit, but for materials to show you that you can do the pre-check. I think they should take all that money and, and maybe they should just give it back to all the employees as a bonus. Maybe as a, some kind of a holiday bo- bonus, a ho- holiday tip at the end of the year. Or they could have just one heck of a holiday party. They could actually fly each other over to different airports and enjoy the holiday party with all that money. Maybe they could donate it to a nice charity of some sort that could use a couple of million dollars a year that is all left behind there at the TSA instead of the federal government keeping it. There could be so many other good uses of that money instead of the TSA putting it into their own little slush fund. Perfect. All right, well, that's uh, that's all for the show this week. I, have a, I want to make sure everybody has a great Labor Day holiday. Uh, be safe, and I'm sure a lot of people will be staying home. Some people will be going out, but uh, whatever you do, just be safe doing it. If you need to get a hold of me, you can always leave a voicemail, 303-832-0217. The email is podcast at gmail.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for being here, and until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. <laughs>